As America speeds toward maximizing corporate bottom lines, manufacturing has moved to places where it is most affordable. Profitability is the driver. The global economy is the highway. Gone are the days of circulating economy, buying and selling within a closed loop and benefiting the place that you reside. Unless you can dream up your own model and have the tenacity to make it work. I'm Joey Bland, and from Circle O Productions, this is Seasons. Today, I'm in East Memphis with someone who's become a friend, Michael Waters. Michael and I met because we both have passion and interest in land and farming and the outdoors. Michael's particularly interesting because he had the vision and drive to start his own shirt manufacturing company. But what's so unique about that is he uses only locally grown cotton in creating his shirts. Michael, I can't wait for people to hear your story in this incredibly creative business that you built. But first, do you mind backing up and tell us about your background and where your passion for land comes from? Yeah, Joey, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, you, you said it best there that uh, you're a friend and you've been an advocate for me for, for Stately Cotton. And you're, uh, you're one of my first supporters. And uh, you've, uh, you've, you've, you've seen a lot uh, of growth throughout the, uh, throughout the way. And I just really appreciate you having me on today and having, uh, you know, just, uh, just, just, just the passion for, for what I've been doing and uh, promoting uh, me. So thank you so much for everything you've done for me. Well, hey, look, I love anything that's local and anything that's creative like you have done. So I, I'm, I'm glad that we get to share this with other people. But where'd you learn, like, where'd you learn about land? Were you, as a kid, did you grow up? Did y'all have a farm or what was the connection? Yeah, well, I think I guess the best way to put it would be I was just, I was born into it. So I was born and raised here in Memphis, Tennessee, but uh my family's been here before uh the waters family's been in america before america was america wow and uh, you know we it, it kind of first started probably well it, it goes back to a lot of planters but uh how it first really got started in the delta um with with my family is uh actually my great 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 grandfather uh, fought in the I think that of, was three greats there. Uh, four. Actually. Four. Sorry, okay. if I, I messed it up. Then it was no, no, no. I, did, I I can't count very good. Yeah. So keep I, going. I, could, I could have messed it up. Um, but uh, anyway, he uh, he fought in the battle of uh, the battle of San Jacinto, which was the battle after the Alamo, um, and that's where the United States won its independence uh, on Texas from Mexico. And a lot of people, I guess it's a it's a battle that's almost forgotten. Yeah. And. Uh, Unless you study Texas history. Unless you study Texas history. Uh, everyone remembers Alamo, but it, the, the, the Battle of San Jacinto gets for, forgotten. But they defeated the Mexicans, and throughout that process of f- fighting the bi- battle, they would declare land for uh, people who fought. And uh, my grandfather that uh, that fought in it was awarded some land there in Texas, which is now present-day Houston. And uh, he ended up deciding to sell that land and come to a new state that they were forming. In 1836, moved to Arkansas, hmm. into, uh, to Phillips County, Arkansas, where Helen, Arkansas is. 
So anyway, he might have been better off keeping uh, whatever it was, 5,000 acres in, in, in Houston. But uh, he decided to move to this new state called Arkansas that's uh, at, at, on the Mississippi River, uh, about 60 miles south of Memphis uh, to Phillips County outside of Helena, and decided, decided, decided to farm. So he sold that land there and bought a farm in Arkansas. And so that's probably where uh, the love of uh, farming and uh, cotton kind of really, really uh, – really came from but just as uh, as uh, hit that uh, has gotten passed down from him to uh where i'm at today is is uh you know it's just it's it's been a generation or generation of uh of, of farming and you know growing up here in memphis being kind of the, the is the cotton capital of the world ag capital of the world just being a melting pot uh, it's just there's always been a a, a passion for um for farmland, for the Delta. Uh, I love Memphis. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's a melting pot. There's always, uh, there's, you can hunt fish. You can, uh, you, you, you can do just about anything you want to do or things that I like to do here. And, yeah. uh, well, it's really a genetic thing. I mean, that's several generations, uh, going back and what a fascinating family history that you have. Um, the origins of stately cotton kind of where did that come from tell us that before we start talking about kind of the the structure that you have and the way that you source and everything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but where'd you envision it right so i was actually uh in the mississippi delta um i was coming up uh i think from a it was from a hunting trip uh coming up from uh uh, from the Mississippi Delta, and I was on Old Highway 61, and I was in Mississippi, and it was it was it was fall, it was uh, cotton harvest time, and uh, I was just driving through Mississippi, and the and the cotton was beautiful, and I just I was looking at it, and I was like, you know, Mississippi people they love they love cotton, they love their state. Why is nobody taking Mississippi cotton? and making something out of it hmm. you know it just it just was it wasn't there so i'm like you know that needs that, that, that needs to be done so that's that's kind of what uh that's the first interest that i had to kind of really? form and form stately cotton that's interesting so you're just driving and you're thinking about all this that's here but yet uh a lot of people i don't think really understand our region agriculturally hmm. that most everything grown uh food fiber all of it is really grown and shipped out and and the food is more for um, animal consumption for feed than it is for human consumption mm -hmm. but to your point cotton's being grown but yet we're not really there's no recirculating economy here right. it's just being shipped out and and so you begin and, and if you don't mind i'm going to set up stately cotton and then you correct me if i'm wrong or, or guide me here uh stately cotton is um is is a uh a cotton a, a shirt producing company but what you do is is that you have personally gone and gotten to know farmers in arkansas texas louisiana Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, I think Georgia, I think North Carolina, but six, seven, eight different states. You've gone personally gotten to know these cotton farmers, purchased cotton from them, and then I, I know at least in the first batch, 
you literally drove it over to North Carolina yourself and delivered it to make shirts. And then the end product, we'll, we'll go to that real quick and then let you kind of talk about it. But the end product is these really cool um, uh, golf type shirts that are obviously 100% cotton. But not only that, uh, it's a, it could be a red shirt with the state of Arkansas on it. And um, you put a special tag in there and everything about it. So tell us, if you will, that's kind of the setup of Stately Cotton. Tell us about it, though. Like, how'd you ever do that? Who, who was the first farmer you ever met? And like, did they think you were crazy? Right. Yeah, that was... Uh... It was it was tough because it's so difficult in the United States to to be able to manufacture cotton like you said that everything basically everything gets shipped off to wherever it may be uh, Asia uh, I mean just you name it it doesn't it doesn't stay here very often or very long right and um, anyway we we produce some of the best cotton in the world right here you know right here where we're at right now today and um, you know it's kind of a shame that there's it made my job very tough to, to to kind of take that that raw cotton and and finish it uh, finish it out and keep it all in the United States. So that was the one thing that was very important to me was you know hey I'm going to use local cotton and it's going to stay right here. I mean it's just, it's going to be a you know from from dirt to shirt we're going to make a uh, we're going to do something that no one else has ever done and um, it's going to be 100% local. And uh, I got lucky uh, where I first purchased my cotton at was in lee county over in uh in mariana arkansas and a good friend of mine tyler mcclendon him and his dad farmed together larry mcclendon and uh you know tyler was just a friend a farmer and uh you know sourcing cotton from uh larry mcclendon is you know it was just a friend's dad at the time and come to find out you know larry mcclendon was you know he's you say that name in the cotton world and people people are like whoa this is larry mcclendon's cotton that's pretty cool i want some yeah so i mean there was a, there was already a story just right there with hey they know larry mcclendon they know tyler they know that you know what they produce and the high quality that they produce it and, you know it comes right there from their gen there in lee county and it's a you know, it's a, it's a, unfortunately, it's not all, uh, you know, vertically integrated, which I'll get into here for, uh, in the United States. There's not a, there's not a one-stop shop that, uh, you can just take your cotton to and, hey, they're going to give you a t-shirt. It just, unfortunately, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work that way. So there was a, uh, backing up a little bit just to be able to put all that together. There was a lot of time and effort that took just to put all the pieces together to be able to find somebody uh one person do one step one person do the next step and it just was a long line of steps i mean eight or nine steps in the process that you have to uh to do just to be able to to have a finished product but uh with uh when i pulled up to uh, the mcclendon farm in mariana i had a uh had had my truck in a u-haul and they loaded me up six bales of cotton, and I headed out to North Carolina, where most of the manufactured textiles are, are the, the few that are left in the United States is, uh, is where they're at in North Carolina. And I pulled up there to the textile mill, and I was the first one that they'd ever seen in a uh, pull-up in a U-Haul full of cotton. So they had a... Uh, <laughs> They they thought I was crazy, but uh, they were they were willing to take on my project because this community was was built on textiles, and they had gone from twenty thirty textile mills a hundred years ago to they're down to to one textile mill and sixty employees. So they were like, hey, here's this 
this young kid that's willing to, you know, he, he, he wants to use us. So we're going to, this is normally something we don't do because it's a, it's a smaller, smaller project, but, uh, he's supporting us or so we're going to support him. And, uh, it's been a, a beautiful uh, friendship and relationship ever since then. So there's so much to talk about there. You know, manufacturing moving away from the U.S., I'm not an expert on all of that, but we obviously, anyone that looks at your products, your clothes, it's all, for the most part, uh, manufactured, put together. You know, it's coming from different countries. Um, and so you go to an area in North Carolina, correct? Mm-hmm. And this area i'm assuming is is um is struggling somewhat because the textile industry is being shipped overseas and here you show up with a u-haul with six bales of cotton and and ready to produce some shirts curiosity maybe this is a stupid question six bales of cotton will produce like how many shirts yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of waste in there but it would produce roughly probably about two thousand shirts wow wow okay that's interesting Mm -hmm. so you so you show up over there and before we've talked about this and i think this is very interesting because i know i dream of wow wow why don't we have some of this manufacturing back here um and i think that maybe we're headed in that direction with uh, some of the uh, problems that we've seen with covid with getting um whether it's food on store shelves whether it's products uh i would hope that we're making a move toward more of a uh, uh, recirculating economy uh, regionally, nationally, that's just more balanced. But if you would kind of go through those steps, because I know you talked about them before. That I, I want to say it started. It starts kind of at the spinning mill, and then you kind of go to the knitting mill, and you go. But there were six or seven steps that you kind of walked me through. Walk us through that, just so people could kind of quickly understand. You know, the process going from the field, you actually go pick it up in the field from Larry McClendon, drive it to North Carolina, and then what's got to happen? Yeah, right. Well, I, I, you know the process well. I'm going to have to put you on the payroll, I guess, because uh, you, could, you could sell it better than I can. But, yeah, there is a, there is a process to it. And uh, that's back what I was talking about earlier with the not nothing. It's it's not vertically integrated here, so there there is a, a long process to from going from that dirt to shirt. So when it goes to North Carolina, it goes to a spinning mill, and they'll turn it into yarn for you, and then it's got to go into a to a knit factory, which they're all pretty close to each other over there in North Carolina. Uh, you know, some of them are thirty miles, forty miles apart, but it'll go to a knit factory, and that'll take take it to the fabric stage. And then it's got to go to a whole other factory, or it's got to be dyed to whichever color you want it to be. And then you have to take it to a whole other factory to have it cut and sewed. And you've got to take it to a whole other company if you want to have it embroidered. Uh, so there's a, uh, and throughout the process, there's other, I guess, uh, the, the guy that makes the labels for me, he's in North Carolina too as well, but the, who, the, the individual that, that cuts and sews for me installs the, uh, the labels. And uh, actually the, the tags, I believe that you maybe mentioned earlier, my hang tags are, are made here in Memphis. And the hang tag that goes with the shirt will tell you, you know, all the information about the shirt, where it came from, and uh, the farmer, the county, and uh, just kind of gives you a little more background about uh, kind of what you're, uh, what you, what you, what you're hopefully wearing. Well, I, I think that's one of the most creative and interesting things that you've done with this company. So, you buy a shirt, a stately cotton shirt, and it's got a little tag attached to the sewn-in tag, 
And on there, it says, if it's a shirt grown in Arkansas, that this cotton was grown in Lee County, Arkansas, by Larry McClendon, and it gives you details about it. I mean, you you literally trace it back to where it came from. I think that's so fascinating because it just ties the entire process together that I think most people just take for granted. Where did you come up with that idea? Well, I think it was just that people were were, – there was so much out there that was – you know, there were were so many companies and still are all these different brands that were – Southern this, Southern that. You know, they were all trying to uh, be a, a, a Southern brand. And it really, I mean, it took off. I thought it was great. I mean, I like, I, you know, I'm getting out of college. I, I want to go buy a Southern Tide shirt. You know, it, it looks cool and everybody's wearing it. Uh, sure. There's all this, uh, there's all this, uh, the hype around, you know, just uh, the South. And, um, you know, you kind of, you start to buy these shirts and check them out and, there's there's nothing really southern about any of it it's <laughs> except made, the name except the name it's made in bangladesh made in the <laughs> philippines made in china you know it's like and that's kind of really what got me ignited i'm like my grandparents would be rolling over in their grave if they knew i had a clothing company and it was all chinese cottoned and manufactured and uh, wherever it may be and you know so that's really what got me kind of where i was like wait we need to tell a story with this because i i wouldn't do it any other way i love where i'm from and uh love this country and uh you know it's a there's a there's the story needs to be told so that's kind of what uh you know the more the more details about what you got the people uh they like they like hearing about it especially if they can relate to uh, a mr mcclendon michael waters not only envisioned the usefulness of a regional resource in cotton, but he also figured out a way to create a truly local product from dirt to shirt. At Seasons Podcast, our purpose is to educate people about land investment with the goal of seeing 100 people who don't currently own land become landowners. Our method is helping people reconnect with land through hearing other people's stories. For more information, go to our website, delta-farmland.com. Thank you for joining us today.